Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Matthew Gavidia, Assistant Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we speak with April Todd, Senior Vice President of Core and Explorations for CAQH, who also directs the research functions for the organization. On CAQH Core's recent approval of a two-day rule for health plans and requesting additional supporting information from providers and making final determinations on prior authorization requests. Welcome to Managed Carecast, April. Thank you. It's nice to be on. So for our first question, can you speak on what CAQH Core is about and how it contributes to CAQH as a whole? What services do they prioritize for the organization? Sure. Um, So CAQH Core is a a component of um, CAQH more broadly as an organization. Uh, Core has been around now for about 15 years. And the reason Core was created um, was to bring the industry together. And what I mean by that is plans, providers, vendors, state and federal governments, um, standards development organizations, to, to bring the entire industry together to help agree on standardization for uh, the transmission of uh, administrative information electronically. So we've been doing that for, um, for a while now, and um, it's been something that's been very successful for the industry in helping to um, improve automation and interoperability. Based on the input from the multiple stakeholders representing CAQH Core, Members voted on a two-day maximum time limit to accelerate the prior authorization process. How did members come to this time frame? So our um, multi-stakeholder participating organizations and our board um, have been prioritizing uh, working on prior authorization for a couple of years now. It's one of the um, administrative transactions that has a low percentage of the transactions that are done electronically um, with the index. Um, CAQH index that we conduct only, we find through that that only 13% of those um, of transactions for prior authorization are done electronically. So it's been a prior, it's been an issue um, for our members to work on for a long time. Um, how they got around to this two-day rule um, uh, came over the past year. Um, what the group wanted to work on first was coming up with um, standards for data content that would be transmitted between a provider and a health plan um, to help um, standardize and uh, make the responses quicker um, between plans and providers. And so once we were able to get that uh, data content agreed to, um, next our participating organizations thought we had a good foundation that we could then work on um, standardization around response timeframes. Um, In addition, one of the things that really drove an interest in standardizing timeframes nationwide is that there are currently 30 different states that have um, requirements that vary um, from about two days to up to 15 days uh, for response times. And so there was a desire to um, create some national consistency that would reduce another layer of burden um, between plans and providers and having to comply with multiple different state regulations. So what causes the prior authorization process to take longer than expected? 
Oftentimes what, what leads to the prior authorization process taking longer than expected is just that most of the components of the workflow are done so manually. Today, without the work that I had just described um, that we have been working on, um, really a, a provider sends in a fairly limited request um, and the health plan sends back that I've got it, working on it. Um, and then the provider really doesn't have any other information um, to use to figure out what they need to do next, if they need to send in lab results or images or anything like that. And so the providers often resort to getting on the phone or they mail in the patient's entire medical record. Um, so much of it takes a long time because a lot of the process is not yet automated. And so that's what we've been working on is to help automate that process. And by automating that, then we can come up with some um, consistent expectations around timeframes. So I know you touched on this briefly, but can you just discuss the key stages in the prior authorization process? And after that, can you discuss how this two-day limit optimally meets each goal? Yeah, so the, the key parts of the process um, is you know, once a provider um, has seen a patient in their office, um, oftentimes there are services that um, will need a prior authorization. And um, one key part of the process is for the provider to communicate to the health plan um, some details about the patient and um, what type of procedure they are um, wanting to see if they need to get a prior authorization for and if they do, um, what information they need to submit. So um, the rules around data content that I described helps um, the provider understand what information they need to send um, to the health plan. And so where the first two-day rule comes in that helps speed up the process is that once the, once the health plan gets that information, the initial information from the provider around the request, the health plan has up to two business days to um, examine the patient-specific information and tell the provider um, whether pre-authorization is needed or if um, one is needed, what, it, what documentation they may need or what documentation is missing, like a lab result, for example, that the provider needs to send back. So two business days to do that. And then um, the provider would send back um, that information uh, to the health plan. And then the health plan has another two business days uh, maximum to review that information. Oftentimes there's a clinical review that's involved that's, that's patient specific. Um, that um, then after that two business days, the plan responds back and lets the provider know if it's approved or denied. Um, so that's how um, the, the two business days um, are involved in kind of two key pieces of, of the prior authorization process. One is a patient-specific review of what information might be needed to make a decision, and then reviewing all that information and getting a decision back. So the announcement additionally included an optional closeout for health plans, payers, or agents to cancel a prior authorization request if it is not received with, from the provider within 15 business days. So did this prove an essential issue in the prior authorization process and how can this ameliorate delays? That can be one of the key parts um, of the uh, prior authorization process. It's kind of that middle step, um, which is when a um, health plan has let the provider know, this is the information I need from you. To keep the process moving, um, there was interest uh, from some of the organizations in putting a cap on the time frame that the provider can get that information and send it back. Sometimes in some organizations um, that request back for information, the plan doesn't get information back for a long time. And so the plan wants to know that um, the provider still wants um, the prior authorization to go through, 
Um, and so if they don't receive information back, they will assume from the provider that the request is no longer needed. So to help keep the process moving and best use resources, that was the desire to, um, to put a cap on that response time frame. So this updated rule adds to the CAQH Core 278 prior authorization data content rule implemented in May 2019. So can you discuss how participants have adhered to these new rules and what progress has been made in improving the prior authorization process? So the rules that we passed back in May are those data content rules that I described briefly um, at the beginning. And um, since May of 2019, um, we have been putting together um, a test suite for our participants to um, start to use to test their systems and help um, develop their systems to be compliant with the rules. Um, that testing system um, went live in late 2019. Um, so we are just now starting to get organizations coming into that testing system and um, working through that, testing their systems to make sure that they're compliant. Um, we anticipate that over, um, over the next year or so that additional organizations um, will start to come into the site and um, start to test their systems. Well, what must patients understand about the potential benefit from this new rule? What can stakeholders both part and separate of CAQH Core take away as well? I think the key thing for patients to understand is that um, the industry understands that 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 this is a this is an issue um, um, for plans and providers, but most importantly for patients. Um, really, the industry want has has come together to try to speed this up as much as possible to be um, responsive to the health needs of patients, um, both to protect their health and make sure they're getting um, the best care that they need, um, and also make sure that they're getting it as timely as possible. And so um, I think for patients to understand that people are really working on this and trying to improve it um, is important. I think the other thing that, that folks can take away from this as well is that um, there, there's more work to be done. Um, this is not necessarily a um, one, it's not a check the box, we are done with this. Um, you know, there is a desire to continue to improve this in the future, but this is a very um, solid foundational step to um, move away from the 15-day timeframes and get to something that is, that is quicker, um, but also is exchanging the valuable information that needs to be exchanged to help um, protect um, patient health. What further innovations are being sought after in the prior authorization process pipeline? Yeah, so there are um, a couple of things that, that we are working on um, to expand upon the work that we've already done. Um, I'll mention two of them in particular. One is um, at the very, very beginning um, of when a provider may see a patient, um, one of the things we've heard from providers is that they just want to have a better idea of whether a prior authorization is required for a certain um, for a certain service, for a certain type of patient. Um, so we are working with our participating organizations on some pilot activities to help figure out what kind of operating rules could help um, even before a provider would make a request to, to further help speed up the process um, and help the provider understand a bit more what, what might be needed of them. So that, that's one piece. Um, the other thing that we are working on, which continues to be a, a big barrier in the prior authorization process is that there's not a standard, um, an agreed upon standard yet for how to exchange medical documentation. Um, and what I mean by medical documentation is these are lab results, image results, um, components of a, a patient's medical record, um, how to share that back and forth between plans and providers. Um, today, much of that information is shared um, by fax. 
um, by mail, um, email, kind of in very um, slow, um, not very uh, uh, high-tech ways. And so um, one of the other priorities we have for this year is to work with all of the industry to um, come to agreement on some rules around how we can um, standardize and um, automate more of the transmission of that um, medical documentation. So those are two um, other big things that we're working on with the industry this year. So is there anything else you wanted to add that has not yet been addressed? Um, just thank you for uh, having me on the podcast today. Um, Prior authorization is, is definitely a topic that has been of great interest um, among uh, plans and providers, uh, patients, and government organizations. And I'm happy to be able to describe a bit more the work that we're doing and uh, more work to come this year. So thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ava, for joining us today. Thank you. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.